and I can be with Christ and in Christ, which we'll see all throughout the book of Romans. Because the fact that it is Jesus Christ, the fact that it is Jesus Christ living in me, that is what um, enables me to live a gospel life. And see, most of us are trying to do it all on our own with some religious flavoring. Okay, I'm going to give you the religious flavoring. But it is more than that. It is, it is the fact that it is saturated with Jesus. So the more interesting than the news, more interesting than the blazers, more interesting than anything else you can think of is the fact that Jesus Christ is alive and He's alive in His people. And we're loving and we're embracing, we're believing the Gospel of His Son. And so if, if that makes up the soil of your life, I mean, you've got a really great uh, chance in believing it to be healthy. Okay? I just want you to see that. That's really in the, kind of in the opening part of Romans. If you believe the Gospel, it changes the way that you live. The word that he used last week was that he might bring about the obedience of faith. Not just some agreement in my head that I, that I, I do believe that Jesus died and rose again. and That's not just some agreement. But rather, it is a, a changed life. So that this changed life that I live looks a certain way and it has certain characteristics. And that really is what gets us to, to verse 8. Okay. The first characteristic is praise. First. And that's how I know it's the first characteristic, right? First, I thank my God. The very first thing is thankfulness or gratitude or praise. It is not an accident that the first and central activity of the church is a worship service. Because I, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. He is clear about the source of this life. He is going to thank God for it because it's not coming from Him. And so his belief in the Gospel issues in his humility and his gratitude. I think all of us would be well served to build in a discipline into our lives of thanksgiving. I've told you on other occasions about what our family, uh, what our family does. On, uh, on Thursdays, our, our, we, we pray together each morning. On Thursdays is our favorite time to pray together because it's thankful Thursdays. And we go around in a circle just expressing what we're thankful for. And, and, and we do that. In fact, we, we have had arguments about doing that every day instead of just on Thursdays. But, I mean, I, this, is such a, this has been such a problem for me. One of the things that I do is I start, I start my morning in my quiet time in my journal and, and I make myself say, today I am thankful for something. 
because I want to force myself, first of all, to be grateful and to be thankful and to realize and to realize that I am not the center of the universe. That God is, has done something in me. He's continuing to do something around me and in me. And so I'm thankful. I just want to encourage you to, to build that practice into your life. Nothing assists your humility like gratitude. I thank my God through Jesus Christ. And then he says, for all of you. I told you I had to build this in as a discipline, right? Because it's easy for me to thank my God through Jesus Christ. For some of you, I'm joking. Really, that's, that's how it is though, isn't it? Some of it is much easier for us to be thankful for some people than others. And here he says, I'm thankful for all of you. And in particular, I'm thankful for all of you. And he knows. He knows the church he's writing to. That there are Jews and there are Gentiles. That uh, the Jews are offended because the Gentiles have kind of thrown away the Old Testament in some of its practices. And the Gentiles are offended because the Jews are telling them they have to be circumcised. And there's this, there's this battle zone in the church. And he's saying, you know what? I'm thankful for all of you, Jews and Gentiles alike. Okay, this isn't about taking sides. I'm not going to say I'm thankful for those of you who are right or who are spiritual. Thankful for all of you. Then he says, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Paul had never been to Rome at this point when he wrote the letter. He didn't start the church. Uh, there, the, the Jews had been variously uh, allowed into Rome and kicked out of Rome. Okay? Assume there were protests at their airports. I don't know. Okay? But, they had been in and out of Rome and while some were out, they came back in believing in Jesus the Messiah. And there was a church born that the Apostle Paul had nothing to do with. At least uh, directly. And now he's thankful their faith is proclaimed in all the world. The whole world knows there's a church of Jesus Christ in Rome. And I've thought about that and I thought, how? How would they be thankful? I mean, how, excuse me, how would he know that they're that the news is all around the world about this church. Because they had good theology texts. Because they had nice Bible studies. And what word got out about how nice their Bible studies were. Right? Well, probably not. Their faith is proclaimed in all the world. What makes somebody notice their faith? I would suggest that it goes back to, um, I think it's verse 6, where it says, the obedience of faith. They are acting differently in Rome because Jesus 
has arrived. And how thankful, how thankful I would be, how thankful the church around the world would be if rather than anger and hatred toward plant parenthood, the church of Jesus Christ stood up for life because they have been made fully alive by Jesus. How thankful the church would be around the world if rather than partisan politics driving their reactions, if it was the church of Jesus Christ that stood up for the marginalized and the refugee and made a statement that Jesus cares about the widows and the orphans and the imprisoned. What if the church did that? Then people would say, thank you for the church! See, that's what Paul's doing. And you know what? I'm not saying, oh golly, go out and try harder and do better. I'm going back and saying, dig deeper, send your roots down deeper in the Gospel because when you do, you'll thrive. And you'll be humble and you'll be thankful. And people will be thankful for you. And see, that's what Paul is. He's thankful for the fruit of the Gospel in this church. Your faith is proclaimed in all the world. The second characteristic of this green plant, this one that is fully alive, the first is praise, the second is prayer. Notice what he says. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit and the Gospel of His Son, that without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers. Someone who's fully alive prays. I can make it more complicated. I could probably add a bunch of other stuff. But at a fundamental level, if you strip it down to the, the firmness of the stalk that supports the life, it would be people who are alive, fully alive, pray. I don't know if they, I don't care if they pray in the shower. I don't care if they pray in their car. I don't care if they get up early and hit their knees and pray with a cup of coffee. I don't care if they stay up late and pray. I don't care if they go for a walk by the beach. I don't care if on Wednesday they take a day of prayer and fasting with the rest of the church. But one thing that characterizes spiritual life is prayer. It is His experience of the Gospel that invites Him to pray whom I serve in my spirit, in the gospel of His Son, without ceasing I pray. And so I invite you. I invite you to pray. I invite you to build it in a, in, into a habit in some, some place. Get a list. Okay? A list is easy. Okay? Join with other people and pray for them. Pray together. I don't care what it takes for you. Okay, but, but find something. Because a flourishing life that, finds, that has its roots in the Gospel of Jesus, praise. And that's one of the ways you know that your roots are down deep. 
So you can be trying to generate this life on your own. You can be doing, trying to do a little better, try a little harder on your own. And maybe for a while you succeed. But the roots of prayer draw nourishment from the Gospel. From my belief in what Jesus, who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. That's what shapes a solid prayer life. Because that's, that's what he says here. In my, my spirit in the Gospel of the Son, I don't cease making mention of you always in my prayers. Asking that I may now at last succeed in coming to you. So his prayer is that he would succeed in coming. And that's, I mean, I only point that out to say that he has something on his list, right? He has something direct that he is talking to God about. He's not just meditating with a blank mind. He's not just thinking happy thoughts. He's asking God for something in particular. And I want to take just a a little bunny trail and have you think about that. I don't know if you how much you're how familiar you are with the history of the early church and the book of Acts. Paul does make it to Rome. This prayer is answered. Okay, so he prays always that he that he might at last succeed in coming. Okay, praise God, his prayer is answered. But if you were to read the book of Acts, you would recognize that God answers his prayer by sending him to Rome as a prisoner. And so I have to say, well, did God answer his prayer or did God not answer his prayer? Hmm. Well, God probably didn't answer it like he thought it was going to be answered. God probably didn't do for him what he had hoped God would do for him exactly. And I just think about all of the prayers that you pray and that I pray and that we think that you know God will do a certain way. And God being infinitely wise and infinitely loving does it in a way that is best for us in a way that we can't uh, always perceive ahead of time and we're surprised. Like Paul was surprised. And I mean, this is a this is a bunny trail we're taking. So I want you to know this is not part of the main thing. Okay, main thing says that you can recognize health by prayer, by praise, and by prayer, and by one other thing. But there's this little bunny trail here. Okay, it's pastoral privilege. I think it's worth it. Always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will, I may now at last succeed. So this is just a little excursus on the will of God. Because some of us think that if I'm in God's will, I will always succeed. If I try and do what's right, I will always do what's right. And some of my problems, I don't try to do what's right. But if I tried, I'd always succeed. Well, here, he is praying that he would succeed according to God's will to go to Rome. Because he's pretty confident that God wants him to go there. He's confident that it's God's will. On the front end, he, he's, he's praying, confident that God will, God wants him to be in Rome. And yet, he's not succeeded. Here's, here's what it says in verse 13. I have often intended 
to succeed at God's will, right? But thus far, I have been prevented. And I can't help but shake my head and think, well, who prevented him? Did Satan prevent him? See, we have, we're, way, we're, we're really simplistic when we think about this, aren't we? Did Satan prevent him? Maybe. Uh, we're told, I, I think it's in one of the letters to Thessalonians, that Satan prevented him from going to visit them. Could have been Satan, I suppose. Or maybe, maybe it was God who prevented him. Is it possible, if it's God's will, that God had not only the ultimate destination in mind, but also the trip? And so God had prevented him because he was trying to get on the wrong boat. Which he was trying to get on the wrong boat. God sent him on a boat for prisoners. And I just, I just wanted to take a little step aside on this because some of us get extremely frustrated and impatient with God because we have this kind of all mapped out. Now God, in, in my way of seeing, okay, I'm going to talk to you about this. Pastor Scott said I should pray. Okay, I want it to be just like this, okay? And we pray, right? We fill in the blank. God, I want you to get me from here to here to here to here. Okay, and maybe it's, maybe it's this is the way I want you to lead me to get married. This is the way I want you to lead me to go to school. This is the job I want. I mean, you can just walk all the way down the line. We all sort of have it mapped out. So did Paul. And I'm just going to say, he's more spiritual than I am. Right? Probably than all of us. And he didn't succeed. Until God was ready for him to succeed. And then he, he did. And he ended up doing in Rome exactly what he set out to do in his prayer. Mutually encouraging, bearing spiritual harvest. And I just have to... I mean, I just put that out there so that you are a little more grateful for what God's doing in your life. A little more humble about giving God freedom to do it the way that He wants to do it. And a little more prayerful knowing that just because things outside don't look like they, you think they should look, Realizing God still is in control. He's still in the business of answering prayers. And you still should be encouraged to pray. Okay, that's back to the main idea. That the life is visible by praise, by prayer, and I will say by presence. By presence. Notice... He wants, he wants, he's praying that he could go see them. Email is not enough for him. Texting isn't what he has in mind. He says in verse 11, for I long to see you. Long to be present with you. I think if there's any opportunity for the church, in the world, it's simply to be present. To be the man or the woman. Or the young person who puts their phone away when they're across the table from somebody and you're present. To say, you know what? I have more to do with other people than I do when I'm home alone watching Netflix. God 
the, the fruit of the Gospel, if your life is, is down deep in the Gospel, then you will desire to be present with God's people. That's, I draw that implication from Paul's life. who His roots are down deep in the Gospel. And he is longing to see them. Longing to be with them. So that he might impart a spiritual gift to strengthen them. He has in view not hanging around other people so that he might get something from them. How many of us are in a crowd of people and well, no one talked to me. Or no one, no one came over and you know said anything to me. Or I was so discouraged today, and then nobody, nobody encouraged me. And we all kind of set our dial to you know receive something nice from someone. When the gospel dial is set to go in order to give, I am present so that I can impart something of value to the people I value. To give them a spiritual gift to strengthen them, to share the gospel with them, so that they might be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I imagine at some point in time you've had a conversation with someone else who actually has experienced God in a certain way. And they're telling you about how God answered their prayer, or they're telling you about how somebody that they were talking to responded. Uh, to the Gospel of Jesus, and you know your heart is just so full and encouraged. How about if you be that person? Be the person that encourages other people. And if the two of you ever get together, you'll be mutually encouraged. It's just that simple. Set your mind to be the encourager. And I mentioned... I mentioned that if your life is sunk down deep in the soil of the Gospel and it grows and it's visible that you're praising and praying and you're present with people, then there's going to be spiritual result from your life. Your life is going to count. It's going to be fully alive. And that's, that's what we see here. He's often intended to come. I, mean, I, just, I just want to encourage you before I, we even talk about the harvest to, just to, to look inside. I mean, are you, are you one that plans to be together with the people of God when they say, theoretically, have a potluck after church? Do you come planning to hang out? Do you come planning to, to be part of a life group? Are you looking for how you might connect? Are you, when there is a, a women's event, are you one that comes because there's other people there or because there's a, a great program there? See, the Gospel says it's the people who really matter. And the invitation to you is to be present with people for the sake of the Gospel that you might share it with them. And when you do share it with them, 
here is the result. In order that. Okay? In order that. In other words, all of this, all this praise and prayer and presence happens so that the fully alive life bears fruit. So I might reap a spiritual harvest among you. I mean, harvest, the harvest in Scripture are always a couple things when it comes to people. One is that there are people who come to faith in Christ. And some of us, some of us think about evangelism. We think about you know, sharing our faith as some foray and you know, some excursion adventure into enemy territory in which we quickly retreat. I mean, I, I've been around a long time. I mean, I, 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 heard, of, I heard of people who, who it was their ministry to go into the restrooms at, um, at gas stations and put little tracks on the back of the toilets. You know, I'm, I'm just going to venture that none of you are here today because you went to a, a, a truck stop bathroom and found a little track on the back of the toilet and, oh golly, the Holy Spirit convicted you. Okay, probably, you know, conviction in a truck stop probably something different. But if you want to reap a spiritual harvest, it requires presence. To love somebody. To be with them. It, it, it takes a lot of time. The, the spiritual harvest doesn't happen overnight or it doesn't happen in an encounter. And if it does happen in an encounter, it's because somebody else has put in the time. And has been present this whole time. And has been praying this whole time. And so, I want to encourage you to be present with those that don't yet know Jesus. You don't even have to have the right answer about Jesus. If you love them because of Jesus, that will do. But that's where the spiritual harvest comes from. And, but that isn't exactly what he has in mind, although the fact that he says among all the rest of the Gentiles tells me that he has in view something bigger than just uh, a church meeting. But he wants a spiritual harvest among you. What's that? Most likely that is the fact that they look more like Jesus because He loved them. Because He shared into their life. Not because they had the greatest lesson. Not because it was presented with the most flawless PowerPoint. But because He loved them. For the sake of Jesus. Because His roots are down deep and all that comes out of Him is good news. And when it does, then He has a harvest where it's much like the fruit of the Spirit. That's really what He's after. He's after this healthy plant nurtured by the Holy Spirit, which is actually part of the Gospel, the life of Christ through the Holy Spirit, so that there is on this plant fruit right, that He can harvest. That's what He has in mind. So that the love and the patience and the long-suffering and the gentleness and the goodness and the kindness, that 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 is then produced in the people He hangs out with. Because we all become like the people with whom we voluntarily spend our time. And so He wants to hang out with God's people that they might become like Jesus. So that the Gospel might come through Him 
that He might be humble and thankful. That He might be prayerful. And He might be present. And when He is prayerful and present, God's going to do something. God's going to do something. And that's where the spiritual harvest comes from. It isn't that He tried harder and did better. This is gospel news. This is Jesus at work through His people. This is the way that it, this is what's supposed to happen when we get together. And so I want to encourage you. Even if you didn't bring something to the, to the the dinner, carve out a few minutes and just a little bit to go downstairs and spend some time with some people around a table. Find a life group. Find a uh, a time when the people of God are together and you can join them. And make it a priority to be present. Find a time when you will pray it if it's in the shower, if it's in the commute, if it's in the morning. I don't, I don't care. Find a time to pray and then build in a discipline to be uh, grateful or full of praise so that you might uh, really enjoy the Gospel in a fresh way. Let me pray for you. Father, we do. We do want the Gospel to just shape our lives. And we, we don't want to just have a little bit of life. We want to be fully alive. And so I pray that You would shape us according to the Gospel. That it might bear the kind of fruit in us that You want it to bear. So God, I, I can't do this in my own life. I can't do it in the life of anybody else. All I can do is beg You to help us trust Jesus. Help us to believe the Gospel. Help us to live in community and in prayer and in praise. And Father, I will thank You together in Jesus. Amen.